1: Hello, and welcome to The Career Confidant, and we're glad that you're joining us today. And we are going to be talking about what's going on as we move into the future, and we get young people moving into careers. How do we help them move into careers that are fulfilling and interesting to them and that also benefit the the bigger picture of society? So today, we're excited to have Jake, Jake Richings with us, and Jake, you run a company called authentic engagement that creates content like videos and workshops in places like schools and even online to help better engage Gen Z in the careers and the career choices that they're doing. So I'm just so excited to talk about this topic because, of course, this is the future, right?
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Marie. And I'm, I'm really excited to explore some of the stuff I'm doing around engaging young people in careers so that, yeah, they can find stuff that they enjoy but also fulfill those roles that you know are yet to exist in the future, um, which is really difficult to hire for when you don't know what the jobs are. Um, so, yeah, looking <laughs> forward to talking about that.
1: Yeah, and we're trying to prepare for a future that doesn't. we don't know that much about because things are changing so fast. Now, one statistic that I found that I thought was interesting was that two-thirds of 18 to 24-year-olds trust career advice on social media. Now, this data said that as people get older, they don't trust as much, but we've got this very young group where two-thirds of them are getting their content from social media and they trust that information and you know it's not a bad thing that they're getting their information there, but the problem is that there aren't maybe trustworthy resources or a lot of trustworthy resources out there giving that information to them. So how are you seeing Gen Z kind of learn about careers?
2: Yeah, and this is a thing that I find really exciting. And one of the things that I think I've maybe picked up a bit of notoriety for over the last year is that you look at a, a platform like TikTok, for example. Where in the last you know, four or five years alone, there have been over five billion views of career advice. Um, and if, Marie, you imagine that's like 10 second videos, even just that small, that we're talking about thousands and thousands of years of careers education that young people want to watch and are, are interested in watching. Um, and that they're saying is trustworthy, despite, like I say, you and I knowing that maybe that's not the case. Um, so one of the things I did was started a little campaign, um, which I ran on, on LinkedIn. The goal being, can we get a thousand qualified careers professionals posting advice and guidance on a site like TikTok? Um, And the update was was really good because I know that these people have so much to offer. It's just about bringing that to where young people are, and especially young people that might not have thought about a career coach or a career leader, what that looks like in their lives. Um, So doing that really helps to offset maybe some of the stuff you hear on social media that's misinformation to make it more trustworthy. And I suppose ultimately bring young people away from sites like social media where they might hear about careers education for the first time into institutions or systems where they can get that trustworthy, non biased information.
1: Yeah, it's challenging, right? Because a lot of careers providers are older, um, or at least the, you know, kind of the engaged ones. We've got newer people coming into the field, of course, but they're maybe just feel like they're learning, getting their feet underneath them. And some of them are out there giving advice on TikTok, which is great as long as they're thinking about how that fits for the client. I think that's the other challenge with career advice in general, is that one piece of advice can be good for one person, really, when you come right down to it. And yet, everyone is consuming this same advice. And if you're a, a provider of advice, and you're not giving that background or context or who is this valid for, uh, it can be good advice, but not necessarily good for the person that's interpreting it. But before we go too too far down that road, um, I think there's a challenge because there's a, maybe a perception. Uh, by parents or by older professionals that young people aren't engaged in careers, that they don't want jobs, that I think there's just a disconnect. Can you tell me a little bit more about what you're seeing there?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So the, the latest figures, I mean, we've all got our feelings about what we're seeing, but the latest feelings are that about one in three young people, so I'm 26, my age and under, are engaged in careers. Um, which is the lowest of you know all generations in the workplace, which I think is quite surprising, given that at the start of your career you should be really optimistic and looking forward to learning new skills. But about one in three, about thirty percent there, um, and there's a number of reasons why that is. But I think the most interesting one to focus on is um, is when we think about the, the stuff we're saying to young people along the lines of you know follow your passion, do work that you love, you know, and you'll never work again. These kind of rhetorics. But a lot of that gets lost in translation when you're talking to young people who might think that, oh, you know, I'm passionate about football, soccer, something like that. So I want to have a career as a soccer player rather than maybe thinking about stuff like I'm passionate about soccer because I love being a leader. I love working in a team. Those things that maybe you and I will recognize as that's my passion. That's what I really love doing at work. And that maybe is lost when we talk to young people. So, you know, imagine if you're given carte blanche at the age of 16, you can have any career you want, but that can be quite overwhelming for someone at the start of their career, especially if you've got no structure and you don't really know where to start. And so I think this is one of the big reasons we're seeing a lot of young people disengaged from work because, yeah, there's loads of options. I don't know which one to pick.
1: Well, yeah. And like you said, there's maybe some pressure too to be passionate about work, and if it's, if you're not passionate about work, there's something wrong with you, or there's something wrong with the, dr- the job. And that's just that whole narrative is challenging.
2: Yeah, exactly. Especially when you've got so many people telling you, you know, following my passion worked for me. And then at 15, when you've only tried a handful of subjects at school, maybe you've only had a handful of hobbies and you're expected to know what your passion is. Um, one of the things I might touch on a bit later, but I'll hint at now is the idea that we need to really encourage young people to try more stuff that is right at the the sort of limit, I suppose, of what they're capable of. So it doesn't need to be a huge stretch. It just needs to be something that's pushing your comfort zone a little bit in what I call quick, cheap and easy next steps. Um, And the more stuff you try, the more you get to understand what you really enjoy, the more you get to understand what you're good at, what you'd like to become better at. And those are really the foundation pieces of making a long career that you enjoy. Because you know that your career is going to change and your job titles will be different one year from the next. But if you're still using the same skills that you absolutely love using, that you love getting better at, you're always going to be happy or fulfilled in the work that you do, Um, I suppose, at least with the the, um, factors that you can control.
1: But I think that's a challenge with passion. I was just giving a presentation at a group last week and using that passion piece, one, it keeps you tied to what you already know because you can't be passionate about something you don't know. So if we tell people to choose careers based on passion, we're connecting it to their limited experience already. The other thing is that passions tend to be biased. So we tend to pick passion based on other people's or societies. De- definitions of who we are, you know, women will be passionate about nursing or re- those types of things. Men be passionate about, you know, stereotypical male things, different socioeconomic statuses. Again, since you can only be passionate about what you know, it just really limits our purpose of, of what we could do. And I think that's something else in the career space, just re-examining the, the real role of passion in work like you said it's the skills that you like to do the the tasks you you enjoy that's not necessarily the same as our passions right um so i think there's some separation there that would be helpful for us in the career space as well okay so you're you're seeing these well you see young people but you're also seeing organizations that are trying to help young people tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of effectiveness of getting the next generation being interested in careers.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So whenever I talk about this sort of engagement, we're really focusing on a change in behavior rather than likes and dislikes and and that kind of stuff. So how do we engage a young person that maybe thinks they're not smart enough to be an engineer, to become an engineer? How do we engage a young person that says, nobody in this job looks like me or talks like me, but I'm gonna go for it anyway. And I've been doing that with organisations through, like I mentioned, video content, where you're interviewing people about the work they do, why they do it, what they love, and how they got started, barriers that they overcome as well. And I'm also doing that in workshops with businesses so that they can get the tools to you know, um, put that in their job application so people can feel like they might belong in this organisation. Um, to do so in part of their onboarding, when they're getting new staff, how do they get people to feel like yeah, this is the the work I'd like to do going forward. Um, So I think when you focus on engagement, everything follows suit. You know, you get young people interested in their careers because they feel like their career is important to them. And whenever you're trying to train someone or teach someone that isn't interested in their career, that doesn't want the best for them or isn't willing to do the work, guess what? It's really hard. (laughs) It's really, really difficult. So you get them thinking about the sort of people that do that work that look like them, That sound like them, that maybe have the same experience as them, and I feel like doing that through, like, say, video workshops. It becomes a lot easier to showcase that to so many people that might think, "Hey, because I'm a woman, I have to do stereotypical women's jobs," or "Because I'm a man, or because I'm white, I have to do these jobs." Those subconscious things are always sort of like in our heads, even from when we're very little, from like TV or from books, that kind of stuff. Um, so changing those perceptions, it is doable, and I'm seeing effective ways of doing that. Um, but that's just a, a few ideas of stuff that you could do pretty quickly just to increase that engagement with young people.
1: Are you finding anything in particular? So it, there's probably you know research out there, but in terms of the values or what Generation Z is really looking for in work, um, they may not necessarily be generational. Sometimes we get generational things confused with just developmental, like when I'm 26, when anyone was 26, this is what they wanted. So it could be not necessarily generational, but even uh, just developmental. How are you helping companies, organizations tap into, like, this is what Gen Z wants out of work?
2: Yeah, so I think one thing that I'd like to focus on with this is the sort of hidden factors that we don't recognize are actually really important. And whilst, yes, obviously people want to be paid well, Uh, They want to have access to development. One thing that employers regularly underestimate that young people want from work is to feel valued by their boss and to feel valued by their organization. And I have no doubt that managers out there really do value and are grateful for the, the people they work with and their teams. But as a young person that's entering the world of work for the first time, they're telling us that they're not feeling that, that they're not feeling that their boss is grateful for them. Um, and so we need to just change that a little, little bit, because I think the bosses, they, they do understand they are grateful, but maybe they're not showing that. And maybe young people are not seeing that as well when we are being grateful. Um, so that's one thing, certainly, that is, is a hidden, is a blind spot. We don't recognize that young people are leaving because they don't feel valued. And that means it's really difficult to sort of measure why young people are leaving, uh, even though they're saying, oh, I just want to be paid more. I want to develop when we feel like we're giving them that.
1: Right. Because that's the one thing when people say they want meaningful work, we often think it has to be some big grand gesture or you have to work for a nonprofit that's saving the world. Mm -hmm. But when it comes right down to it, the people around me either make me feel like I'm giving a meaningful convert, that I'm adding something meaningful or not. And so I love that, that it doesn't have to be something big. It's just simple. Um, and we just need to get over this idea that people shouldn't need recognition or they shouldn't need babying, if that's, you know, the word that might be used by someone who's older than them. Uh, I, I think everyone I talk to at every age wants to feel valued and they want to feel, they want that communicated to them that they're valued. And and so I think it's just, it's not helpful when we brush that off or or say that it's something people shouldn't need. So we're gonna take a short break and when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about what you're seeing in terms of Gen Z coming into the workplace and then more about the skills that they need and how anyone who's out there listening um, whether they're you know, an aunt, an uncle, a parent, an employer could use some of the tools that you're talking about to be more effective in attracting this generation to their, their place of work. So we'll take a short break and we'll be right back in just a few minutes.
3: That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation.
0: Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast.
2: Hey, Alexa.
0: tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant.
1: Welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking with Jake Riftings, And Jake is a speaker for our 2024 Symposium for Career Thought Leaders. So we always get together all the thought leaders in the career space. How do we help people get their careers? How do we help people move up in their careers or manage their careers as they're getting to the end of their career? And so Jake is going to come in and and share that with our career services providers. So we're just giving you a little taste today of some of the things that he's going to share. Now, Jake, right before we went to break, we were talking about how employers are trying to figure out how to engage this group. And you mentioned that this group wants to know that they're valued. They want to know how what they're doing plugs into the rest of the organization. I would argue that every every age wants that. What are some of the other things that employers can think about for this audience to get them engaged in their career?
2: Yeah, so here's another thing that employers can think about to engage with young people. Now imagine a young person that's looking through job listings for the first time. You know, they're reading through the stuff about, you know, fast paced, dynamic environment or, um, you know, the, the change that you need to or, or, you know, do work that's meaningful. It all feels a little bit, you know, difficult to define. Um, and if you're a young person that's used to going from lesson to lesson, it might be really unclear what a lot of these jobs do and whether you're going to like it. You know, I haven't yet met a young person that has said from a young age, I'm aspirational about being, you know, a, a technical writer or I'm being want to be a leakage inspector. But these are jobs that exist and that businesses need to hire for. So one of the things businesses can do, for example, when you're writing job descriptions, is lean a lot more on the skills and maybe where a young person has used that skill before. So take something like initiative, for example. A lot of roles are recruiting for hybrid or working from home. So in order to do that work, you have to have initiative. You have to sort of lead yourself on that day. Now, where might a young person have used that skill before where? Uh, An employee can tap into that, make it really clear for someone reading this role is for you. See, without doing that, you know, initiative what does that mean to a young person? Where have I used that before? But you might use your initiative if you're doing homework as soon as you get home from school rather than leaving it until, you know, the last minute. Um, So if you're that type of person, uh, maybe you've used initiative when you didn't know something, but you wanted to find out. No one was pressuring you to do that, but you did it. And so taking these examples for loads of different roles, if you've got a role that's an accountant, you need someone organized. Maybe that young person is really good at organizing their toy cars into color order when they were six years old. Um, you can use little examples like that to make it much clearer to people reading, oh yeah, this role sounds like me, even though I've never heard of this job title before. Because the chances are young people know maybe, what, 20, 30 different job titles, and they haven't heard of a lot of the stuff you're hiring for. So how are you making it clear to young people that the roles you are hiring for, your early careers are designed for these young people and they might really enjoy them.
1: But that just that's so important. the language that you use, the the way you frame the job description, um, just what does it need what does it really need? And I love that we're moving towards more skills based hiring because I think it will infuse more of that into to what you're saying. Uh, And I also think about, you know, the years of experience and when will we start coming up with a different definer for that? Because if you were a sales manager for 12 years, but that, does that really matter? You know, were you achieving things? Were you producing? And obviously the resume says more than that. Um, But then I just think, you know, what does that mean for someone who's transitioning careers or like you say, young person that's just getting in? and we're going to continue to have changes in our workforce and fewer workers for the jobs that we need done uh, and it'll be interesting to see how those things evolve not just for young people but for all the the people that might be making some kind of a transition as well. Okay. So there we're thinking about how can we get more people engaged but how do we also give them the skills that they need to be successful because as we talked about at the very beginning the jobs of you know, five years from now don't exist today. So how do we help them hit, get and and keep getting these skills that they need to be successful?
2: Yeah, so one of the things that people need to know about me is that before you know, doing the business I do now, I used to do a lot of school speaking. So I'm working closely with a lot of young people that have big aspirations, but maybe aren't doing anything towards that. And I remember speaking with one girl um, who said that she wanted to be a dancer. And what I said to her was something that I hinted at a little bit earlier which is what's the quickest, cheapest, easiest next step from you to go from where you are now towards being slightly closer to being a dancer. Because I feel like a lot of young people maybe have this um, misconception that, oh, in order to do that, I need to have loads of time on my hands or I need to do the college or university degree and then I'll do it, right? But actually the stuff you could do this week to help you become closer to be a dancer. Um, so for this girl, it was, I could go to auditions something I could do this week, as quick, as cheap, as easy. Now, the thing is, regardless of whether she goes on to be a dancer or to work in an office or to you know work in the construction industry, she's going to learn skills by going to her first audition. She's going to go out of her comfort zone and talk to people she's never talked to before, building a communication skill. She's going to have to find where those auditions are, make sure she's planned her time accordingly, and learn time management skills. So whatever career it is you're ambitious about as a young person, We need to encourage them to take that quick, cheap and easy first step towards it. I hear so many young people that say they want to be YouTubers, for example. Now, a YouTuber has to design thumbnails using graphic design, edit videos they have to present on camera. Maybe they have to write scripts. Loads of different skills that a young person could be learning. But how many young people that say they want to be YouTubers even make one video? It's not that many. So we should always be encouraging them to take that quickest, cheapest, easiest first step and really lowering the barrier for what you know success looks like in that very first step because chances are it's going to be you know, writing down a script for the first time if you want to be a YouTuber or going to your first audition and probably not going very well if you want to be a dancer.
1: Uh, I love that. And then it's kind of the, um, the smallest risk that they can take. So there's a new book coming out. I didn't look at who it was by. I'll have to go and look at it deeper, but it hasn't come out yet. I think it's just coming out talking about small risks. And I was like, oh man, I should have wrote that book. Like 10 years ago, I started presenting about this idea that these small risks that we take, then you, you learn, but you also get confidence because even if you fail, you still learn something and you, it's usually not as bad as you thought it was going to be. Then you can build on that next, next little risk to do the next thing. And I I think schools have started to get better at this with the class projects and the way that they teach. And yet more could be done inside a school and definitely more could be done by the student outside. And if you're a parent or an aunt or an uncle or grandparent, this is the place where you can help the person take that little risk, um, encourage them to take that risk. Provide a soft landing, but not too soft of a landing when they take that risk. Uh, I don't know that maybe the the parent types in someone's life understand the importance of those risks and encouraging people to take them instead of, I mean, you know, we always hear that, oh, choose something more practical or whatever. Maybe, I don't, it just seems like the other approach, the opposite approach might actually be more effective.
2: Yeah. And this is one thing that I started doing, you know, before I was even a school speaker, I used to work in an office. And I remember having these ideas of things I could do that seemed really ambitious, didn't seem very practical, you know, like designing a video game or coaching a football team that was the best in the world. These sort of like imaginary dreams. And once you get into that mindset of quick, cheap and easy, I've also found that it's the mindset that a lot of entrepreneurs have, which is like, what's the quickest way I can start making this happen? What's the cheapest way I can start making this happen? You know, for me and game design, I'd never designed a game before, even coded before. And in this mindset of quick, cheap and easy, I downloaded software and I watched some tutorials. Then the next week I copied a tutorial and made something. And within three months, I designed a video game or like coaching a football team. The idea of coaching the best team in the world. Yeah, that's quite a long way away. But actually volunteering at a local football club and then taking them to get promoted. These kind of things have taught me so much that I don't think I learned at school and I don't think you maybe should learn at school. Um, but the things that yeah, nobody told me about, nobody told me to try this or do this and maybe I didn't have as much encouragement as a result. But it's all really achievable stuff. You can set that goal as high as you like. As long as you're making small, consistent progress towards that, you're going to do things that you never thought you could do, you know, like design a, a video game or coach a football team to win a local cup.
1: I love that. And thank you for earlier con- you know, saying football, soccer, because of course, uh, here in the US, it's football season in a much different way. Um, but when we think about social media, so where we started this discussion with talking about how social media is being used as a tool to talk about careers, and sometimes that might be good, and sometimes it could be misleading. Why should we keep working on that? Tell me, you know, as a career services provider, you've got this um, thousand career professionals that you want to get on TikTok. Why is that so important for us as career services providers to be out there talking about careers on social media?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing is is just reiterating this, the scale of social media at the moment when it comes to careers advice. Five billion views of careers advice on just one platform, TikTok, that is, in the last sort of five years or so. This is where young people are And unlike sites like Google or, you know, other search engines that we might be used to asking our questions to, a young person, anyone under the age of 18, is likely going on TikTok to ask that same question. How do I do well in an interview? They're going on TikTok to find out. How do I get the job that I want to get? They're going on TikTok to find it out. And we can dive into this a a little bit more after the break, but what we're seeing is a real cultural shift of where young people are finding and trusting information from. And if they're looking on TikTok for it, and you've got the answers let's just combine the two and bring those answers to tiktok so that when a young person wants to know how to be great in an interview they're seeing you sharing your really valuable information there
1: yeah well maybe after break 2 we'll talk about hey, how might someone decipher if it's credible information that they're finding um what other sources or you know what do you recommend and then then we'll talk a little bit more about that piece of it so we'll take a short break and we'll come back And talk about how we can get good information on social media. We'll be right back in just a few minutes.
0: Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today.
3: That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy.
1: And saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. I'll help you find the right words to tackle any challenging conversation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. You'll learn how to achieve success on your terms and be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in your life. Check out sayaskillfully.com for practical resources, including my 90-second videos, real life examples showing you how to speak up skillfully. I invite you to call in with your questions. Join me live every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. And no, I'm cheering for you. who is going to join us in person in Lisbon for the 2024 Career Thought Leader Symposium. But today we're talking through what you can do if you are a parent or a young person or an employer that wants to engage a young person, as well as how careers professionals are engaging. But I'm just fascinated. So we've seen so many articles go by that say, you know, TikTok was giving this bad career advice or TikTok was giving that bad career advice. So how does someone who's maybe trying to get advice off of TikTok or a parent type who's trying to help someone, how do they decipher what is good and what is bad when they're looking at advice on TikTok?
2: Yeah, I think this is perhaps the the ultimate question. I suppose you can look even more broadly to the internet in general. How do you know that you're getting that trustworthy advice? And this is one of the reasons why I'm really keen to get over a thousand qualified careers professionals using sites like TikTok to give qualified information um, and hopefully trying to nuance it in a short amount of time as well. Um, But I think if you're a young person, if you're someone that's scrolling through social media and you're seeing advice and guidance, and you're not really sure how to take it, I'd always be cautious of what the, the next step they're asking you to do is. Remember engagement ultimately is about change in behavior. And so if someone's giving you careers advice or saying it's careers advice, have a think about what change in behavior they want from you. Is it that they want you to check out free resources? Are they trying to give you support and advice to find a career you love? Or is it something a little bit different than that? I think that usually helps to separate those two things. Um, And I find that a lot of careers leaders, a lot of qualified professionals that use that site are so generous with what they're offering that they're able to give really high quality stuff and raise the bar for the standard of careers advice on social media. And what that does is not only it's helping young people to find careers they love, but it also makes you that trustworthy, incredible resource that young people want to go to with their questions. Uh, A friend of mine, Laura, I mean, she might be watching this as well, but a couple of months ago, she'd never used sites like TikTok before, was really worried about it. Um, And the other day she did a video for um, a young person who said, I don't have any GCSEs. So in England, that's qualifications you get when you're 16 years old. I don't have any GCSEs. What career options do I have? And she did a couple of minutes of videos and that got hundreds of thousands of views from other young people that were in the same boat. Um, So I think doing that really allows you to raise the bar and create more quality resources so that when a young person is scrolling through a site, they can see someone and say, yep, that's the qualification they've got. I know they're trustworthy and I know that what they're saying is in my best interest.
1: Yeah, that's fascinating. And I think part of the challenge in our space is that well, as I say with earlier, advice for one person may not be good for others. So I'd also look for are they giving you a little bit of context? Like that had great context if you're a young person without these qualifications. So you know who the advice is for. If someone's giving advice like for everyone, or this is good in all circumstances, to me, that's a red flag. Um, or if someone's talking about You know, I don't think you have to have been a recruiter or a hiring manager necessarily to be a qualified careers professional. There are lots of us that are trained in coaching. We stay in our area of expertise, which is coaching, right? And we we give advice related to our skills and our experience. So that's the other thing I'd look for is, is the advice they're giving aligned with where their background and their experience is? If they're a recruiter, they can be talking about certain things, but if I see recruiters giving advice about some things, I think, well, that's not necessarily your, your space unless you've gone and gotten coaching training or career development training or you know some kind of career transition training. You telling my clients how to change careers, it just doesn't fit. So you always want to look at that, that to the matchup between what they're saying and what their experience and their credentials is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think this is one of the things that especially on a site, again, like I mentioned, TikTok, but other social media as well, we're trying to condense more and more information into a short amount of time and giving context as well and giving nuance that always exists in career coaching and career development becomes a lot more difficult. And the people that are able to do that, I suppose, are the people that can stand out. Um, And that's one thing that I've been working on a lot of. Obviously, my work as a professional speaker has helped me do that alongside the stuff that I know from speaking with so many careers leaders not only in schools, but also private practice here in in England allows you to condense that information and provide just the nuances valuable, just the context that makes sense so that you can get all of that, you know, juicy information across as quickly as possible to get people watching, I suppose, the next video that gives them even more information and guidance.
1: Yeah. Any other uh, points that jump out to you in terms of looking for advice and seeing if you think it's applicable to you or good advice?
2: Yeah, I suppose one thing is is really, again, encouraging young people. We mentioned before the break about giving young people the skills. But I know from my own journey as well, that sometimes not advice, not all advice is for you. And that can come from reasonable people. You know, I remember speaking with two mentors of mine who gave me opposite advice on how I should do stuff. And they were both successful. They're both very capable. But I suppose giving young people the skill to hear a piece of advice and qualify in their own head is that for me is that right for my situation because not everyone knows that and even though you can give context we might not be able to you know specifically look at your situation so that's a skill that you know we should all aim to give to young people this sort of thought process of you know who's saying that is that a trustworthy resource but also is that
1: applicable for my situation and where I'm at in my life right now Right, which is why coaching is so powerful because advice only gets you so far and then figuring out how to apply it and what fits for you and what goes into this situation. I mean, that's some of the advice I've seen that I think is the most difficult, you know, salary negotiation scripts and advice. And, you know, people have had Chat GPT write them and it's just, it's cringeworthy to me because that's such a nuanced conversation that going in with a script and thinking you can, Just read a script from ChatGPT is a recipe for disaster, almost no matter how good the script is, because there's so much more that goes into that than a script can provide. And so I always think about that too. What are you getting advice on? And is that a good question to ask? An advice giver or is that a question that needs a uh, talk through <laughs> with a real human uh, you know in in a virtual or or for in-person setting but there are some questions that almost no matter where you get the advice it's going to be challenging for it to be followable in yeah. in that sense.
2: That's right yeah and I suppose the the big thing that we can think about I suppose going forward as well is most young people will have heard of something like chat GPT for example career coaching, I think that's probably quite a new concept to a lot of young people, even though it's existed for a long time. So not only are we trying to raise the bar for careers education on social media, we're also trying to raise the profile, I suppose, of careers coaches, careers leaders, so that more people can connect those dots and say, yeah, what Marie is saying makes sense. I need someone a bit more specialized here. Am I going to go to you know AI and chat GPT? Maybe not now, but I need to go to a career coach. At the moment, many young people don't know how to connect those dots because they just haven't heard of these roles before. They're not currently engaged.
1: Yeah, it's just such a, such an important conversation and to have that conversation out loud. And this is where I think a lot of careers professionals, like we talked earlier, they tend to be older. Um, if you really want to look at demographics, at least here in the U.S., I don't know what it is like in the U.K., but here in the U.S., mainly female. So you tell an older female to get on TikTok. <laughs> and I don't know. Right. You just I I've seen a lot of pushback about video. Unfortunately, also um, TikTok has been somewhat what's the right word? Politicized here in the US. So there are people that delete delete it from their phone. Right. There are states that banned it from the state. And so um I think that's unfortunate as well because the Opinion of it does not negate the power of it, and we're missing out on the opportunity to connect.
2: Yeah, that's right. And I suppose the the biggest context you need to know is that right now, digital content—so stuff young people see on TV or on Netflix, or, or even more broadly to social media—is the biggest influencing factor of what they want to do when they grow up. Um, and that's only a slight change from in the past, where it's been parents, and then you know you see a footballer, soccer player on TV, and you say, "I want to be that." but now it's it's the most influential factor. So if you're trying to get young people to you know, go down a certain route, if you want to get them into careers as engineers or doctors, making stuff digitally available, you know, making shows on Netflix that accurately portray, portray doctors and engineers, um, or making stuff for LinkedIn that shows people the path they can go down, and um, even stuff on TV, that kind of stuff, this is the biggest way to get people thinking, yep, that's a job that exists, and yeah, I want to do that. Um, So it doesn't necessarily have to be, like I say, TikTok or other social media. We're just thinking more broadly of digital content and the power that has to, at scale, really positively influence what young people want to be when they grow up.
1: Excellent. So tell my listeners that might be in the career space, why should they come to Lisbon? (laughs) What more will they get if they're, they're joining us in Lisbon for this conversation? Yeah, well, specifically
2: what I'm going to be focusing on in Lisbon is a segment about how we engage those young people that aren't currently engaged. I mentioned a little bit earlier that so many young people haven't heard of career coaching before. So they're not going to become your customers if they don't know that the industry even exists. So how do we first let them know that we're out there as career coaches and careers leaders? Secondly, show them the value that we can provide. Show them how we can help them. And thirdly, engage them to get in touch. Remember, engagement is that change in behaviour. And we want to change their behaviour from not getting in touch with us to getting in touch with us. Now, At the start of this show, you're, if your listeners uh, were here at the start as well, they'll remember I said that 30% of Generation Z are engaged in their careers. That means that 70% aren't engaged. They're not maybe looking for that next promotion. They're not maybe doing the extra work to progress when they could be. Now, what would it look like if the those 70% of young people were engaged what would it look like if they were looking for your career coaching what would it look like Um, i suppose the world what would the world look like what would your country look like if those people were engaged in their careers i think that would be a brilliant place to live in i think that would be a fantastic place to see young people learning new skills and developing but at the moment we're not at that place and so in lisbon i'll be talking about how we can better engage young people to sort of view these external resources understand they exist, and go after them for their own best interest, which leads to, I suppose, a a big growth in the careers education industry.
1: I love that. Well, and more happy, successful people at work. So thank you so much, Jake. We are going to say uh, goodbye to Jake. We are excited to see you in Lisbon. And um, if you're looking to register for that, December 20th is the early registration deadline, so you can check that out and um, we'll be in Lisbon in early April. So we'll say goodbye to Jake. We're gonna take a short break and I'll be back here just to wrap a little bow around this here at the end. Um, We'll see you in just a few minutes back here on The Career Confidant. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa,
3: Get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. A little birdie told me Voice America is on X. (laughs) Follow us at Voice America TRN are you a business owner 1099 contractor part-time employee or volunteer who needs group health coverage you can actually afford do you know a nonprofit who would benefit from unlimited zero cost funding how about cost reduction school safety mental health wellness and more all these and more are fair game on finding certainty if you want more certainty in your own life you are not alone join us each friday at 9 a.m pacific 12 p.m eastern on the voice america business channel Find your own brand of certainty and realize your personal American dream with Finding Certainty, hosted by Patrick Lang. Let's unwrap the certainty experience together.
0: You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guests today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at strategicadvantage.com. Now back to The Career Confidant.
1: Hello, and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we've been talking with Jake Richtings about how we get young people engaged in careers. And as we were talking about the skills that they need to be successful, uh, just made me think about the career durability framework that we put together here at Career Thought Leaders about a year ago. So this comes from data. You see McKinsey, World Economic Forum, and other places put out what skills do people need in the future. And there's a research article actually put out by Dell in 2018, a white paper, talking about, and that's where some people quote the, you know, the jobs of 2030 don't exist yet. And that actually was from this 2018 study. And so we put all of that information together, all of the skills that they say are going to be important for the future, and created six areas of skills for career durability. So how do we help people stay employed Throughout their lifetime. Now, employed is a you know self-employed, employed, whatever that looks like. It's a, it's a broad word, but how do people have durable careers throughout their lifetime? So the six areas of skills. The first one is cultural intelligence. We're going to be more global. If you look at gro- global population growth, uh, Europe, North America are shrinking, and your your real growth is in Africa. Um, some in South America. So we are going to be growing globally. Our companies are going to have to expand globally to get new talent in as the other populations age. So can we have cross-cultural conversations, not just especially if we're here in the U.S., you, you know, related to the diversity, equity, inclusion conversations we're used to, but related to a global audience. Then personal branding, this one actually came out of the Dell Dell white paper, but of course I adopted it very quickly because we talk about that. But personal branding is very, it's a deep concept. It's do you know who you are? Because when you know who you are, you can actually transition faster. Then you also understand how to plug who you are and the value that you bring and the skills that you bring into an, an environment that needs you because branding isn't just who am I, it's also how do I add value to the organizations that I'm targeting. So I've got to know my target audience, know myself, and be able to connect those dots. Most people do not have the skills to connect the dots. And that's a skill set that our, our clients will continue to need of all ages. Digital literacy, everything's going to be done online. And it's been that way for a while, it's going to be more that way in the future. Yes, AI, but the use of the tool is just with a group of counselors that works with young people. And they say, you know, people, young people know how to use the tools for their purposes, but they don't know how to use them for work. So digital literacy is not just knowing how to use those tools, but understanding how to make them work for you in your career. The next one is an enterprising attitude. So, we won't all need to be entrepreneurs, but we will need to know how to create the structures that we need to move from opportunity to opportunity faster. And again, that mindset of how do I identify gaps in a market and be the solution to that gap? Whether I'm applying to a job or starting a company or having a side hustle, all of those activities require that skill. Can I see the gap? Can I see what the company needs? Can I research that? And then can I communicate how me, my skills, whatever it is, my product, if I have a business, how that is the solution to the problems that the audience has. And and that's not simple, but there are more tools today than ever to do it. We could put those pieces together. We can help our clients learn those skills. Emotional intelligence. So emotional intelligence means, of course, that I can self-regulate, that I can read others, that I can build relationships in a digital space. It's also gonna mean that I can build a community of people that can help me move from job to job and you know, gig to gig or to run my business. Whatever that looks like, people will need to understand how to build and maintain relationships, not just in person, but also online. And that I can earn people's trust that I know how to to build trust, to keep trust, to maintain trust, again, to communicate in a way that does that in person and online. And then that I can adapt as things change. I have that that emotional intelligence, which really does come from that core of of knowing myself, that then I can adapt as I'm needed to do that. And then, of course, the, the relevant hard skills, which are going to be a moving target. This is where that upskilling, reskilling, constant learning is going to be important because we can't just have the soft skills pieces, we also have to have the hard skills. Now we say that's the cake, the soft skills are the frosting, You and I aren't five. We don't get to just eat the frosting like my child does. We have to bring the cake so that the company knows what they're hiring. And then, of course, they're going to choose the one that has the the frosting that's most appropriate for the situation as well. So those are our six skills, skill areas for career durability from cultural intelligence and global perspective, personal branding, digital literacy, enterprising attitude and skills emotional intelligence, and those relevant hard skills that we'll need to be able to do the job well. These skills and being able to purpose purposefully package them will be really important. And I'll give you an example here. So a few weeks ago, someone reached out to me on LinkedIn and they said, I'm a photographer and a graphic designer. I'd love to do some work for you. And I like, what am I going to do with that? I'm not going to take the time to figure out what gaps you could fill in my business and reach out to you. It's too vague, it didn't propose a solution and didn't take the time to really know anything about my business. That's what I'm talking about when I'm saying that the enterprising attitude is that we've got to understand how to research how to identify the gap in, in that person's business or in the job you're applying for, and then how to communicate it well. I'm sure I'm not the only one who's gotten some kind of approach by a business, uh, where it, whether it was you know your website or your social media, and they don't do a good job of approaching you. They've identified a gap, but then they don't know how to communicate it. So your website looks horrible. I'd love to help you fix it. It's not a good approach. You've identified the gap, but you haven't done a good job of communicating how you'll fill it. So I've got some really good approaches that said, you know, you might be in the middle of reworking your sales pages for your business, or, you know, you're, it looks like you might be upgrading right now because we did, we just switched website systems. We'd love to help you do that. It's a much more effective pitch than, Hey, your website looks bad. I'd love to help you fix it. When you think about that skill all in of itself, it weaves it into whether you're job seeking, looking for a promotion, working a business trying to start a side business if you can figure out that skill and I'm still working on it, I think you know all business people are, are constantly trying to hone that skill of identifying what do your audience need where's their gap and how can you be the solution to that gap and where what gaps make sense for you to be the solution to because of course you're not going to be the solution to all the gaps you <laughs> be a very tired person so that skill is a lifelong career business skill that all of us need and i'd encourage you to think about how you can continually work on that for yourself how you could help your you know young people in your life build that skill and it's actually part of what we're talking about we've got a session this wednesday called the smart marketer's playbook if you're you know hearing this later you can go back and get the recording because we're showing you how ai will actually help you identify target audience's needs, their desires, their challenges, their pains, all of those things, and then better communicate how your solution could fill those gaps. AI can't do it all. You have to have the strategy. You have to ask the questions that get you there. And then you have to have the stories to back up that you can provide the solution. But it's an amazing tool to show you how you can connect the dots. And at some point, we'll we'll teach you more about what we're learning about how job seekers can use that as well, because it isn't just something business owners can use. We've also been experimenting with how job seekers can use it. So follow along here. We'll come back. We've got more great guests scheduled for the Career Confidant um, over the next few months. Of course, as we introduce more speakers for our symposium and beyond, as we look into the, the trends and the new things that will come for 2024. So we look forward to seeing you right back here again next week on the Career Confidant.
0: Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Ziminoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.